Hey there, my name is Ricky Smith, and I'm the founder of Random Acts of Kindness Everywhere, a nonprofit that simply does exactly what it says promote kindness everywhere. We know the world is crazy right now. If you are searching for a podcast that has a deeper conversation about race, my co host Angel Gray and I will be discussing everything going on right now on our podcast, Random Acts of Podcast, from Blue Wire Podcast Network. To find out more, go to rakenow.org. Enjoy the show. Three on one. Bagley the step. Bagley with the dunk. And you can put it in the boat. And send it to the left. There it is. Buddy Hill alone at the top of the Kings record. Oh, I like this. The Fox Force 5 in the open court. It's into the lane. Oh, if you don't like that, you don't like Kings basketball. Welcome back to another episode of the King's Pulse Podcast. My name is Brendan Nunez. We got Rich Ivanowski on here, as we usually do. What's going on, Rich? How you doing, man? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I'm uh, so excited to be included in your uh, Get to Know You series of interviews. Um, honestly, let me just take a second to say I've been listening. You've been killing it on all these days that I'm not here, uh, talking to some of the biggest names in Sacramento sports media landscape. I'm excited to be sitting in on one of them. And I'm uh, very excited to be talking to the guest we have today, which is Mr. Damian Barling. How are you doing, man? Excellent, fellas. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. We really appreciate you, man, taking the time out of your day to come on and share a little bit of your background with us. And the first question I always throw at everybody is, what got you into basketball and sports in the first place, man? Sports, yeah, sports and basketball were different, man. Sports, I mean, I I loved Bo Jackson, man. Bo Jackson was my favorite athlete growing up. Uh, you know, being in, in Sacramento, I was born and raised in Sacramento. I had family that were both 49er fans and Raider fans, and I remember seeing Bo Jackson for the first time and the way that he ran, and that really got me into it. Like, because I was more, like, when, when you go back to, like, when I was, like, young, young, like, I was a wrestling fan. Like, I was a wrestling fan at, like, the birth of Hulkamania and, like, WrestleMania 1. Like, and I wasn't – I hadn't really been turned on to, like, you know, real sports yet. You know what I mean? So I, I was I was into Hulkamania and WWF superstars of wrestling, and that's what I was all about. But I, you know, started to watch football. I was watching football a lot with my grandpa. And, you know, we watched football a lot. We watched boxing a lot. Like, my earliest memories of sports are Mike Tyson. Uh, Bo Jackson and then basketball, man, you know, it's it's cliche. It's not creative, but it's as honest answer as I can give you. And it was Michael Jeffrey Jordan uh, seeing, you know, highlights of, of Jordan and what he was doing and then kind of getting turned on to, you know, some of the Kings teams at the time. And that's how, you know, that's that's how my love for basketball grew was was just watching, you know, Jordan when the first time I saw him, I was just I was just transfixed on him. And I, you know, I as as you know, the years went on and VHS's like come fly with me came out and Michael Jordan's playground and airtime and I realized that a lot of people listening to this aren't familiar with what a VHS is but uh, precursor to the DVD oh man it, I was just I was I was all about Jordan 24-7 and that just helped my you know love for basketball grow and you know started to pay more attention to Magic Johnson and you know in those you know those 80s Lakers teams and it's just I once I you know once I saw it I was just in love with it. Yeah, I feel like maybe I'm imagining this, but I, I think you tweeted out a picture of yourself with like one of these Bulls legends. Like it might have been, help me out here. Was it like were you with Rodman? Oh or? yeah, yeah, yeah. I t- yeah, but that was that was um, God, what year was that? It was like two thousand. That that wasn't like when I was a kid, even though I look like a child in the picture. <laughs> that was like two thousand four, maybe. It was the first time two thousand. Yeah, I think that's about right. 2004 was the first time that I went to the Grammy Awards. And I don't know why Dennis was there, but he was. So we interviewed him. And, yeah, that was, yeah, I I did tweet a picture out of a very uh, poorly dressed, uh, slightly chunkier version of Damian Barling, or or at the time I was known as D-Lo with Dennis Rodman there. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's quite a character to get a chance to interview for sure. And uh, and then when it comes to the Kings, obviously you said Jordan was a big influence, but uh, Sacramento was good for a while there in the early 2000s, if people are still able to remember good Sacramento basketball. Um, was it simple enough for you as just being from the area that kind of got you involved with the Kings? Yeah, uh, as, as simple as that. Um, I, but I grew up watching the bad teams. You know, I, you know, my favorite player, you know, and, you know, for, for a long time was like Wayman Tisdale. 
uh, and and to learn about Wayman Tisdale's history later at Oklahoma and all that, that was pretty dope, uh, you know. And then to have Spud Webb here, I remember Mitch Richmond coming here. What a big deal that was! And then the trade from you know for for you know Mitch for Chris Webber and then how you know things started to grow and having one of the you know the flashiest players on the planet and Jason Williams here and then to just watch that team evolve and that you know that one player with the just horrible attitude, Doug Christie. I mean that guy's just terrible. But he, you know, the, the, watching that team grow uh, was was pretty awesome, and, and the Doug Christie was Mark remark was total sarcasm. I love Doug. Yeah, I think we've, we've seen him uh, throw a couple cheap shots on Rick Fox. Uh, no, that was legendary. I'm so glad we got to uh, Brandon got to ask him about that just a week ago. Um, yeah. You know, so then getting into sports casting, broadcasting, radio as a profession, what? What did that look like for you? Was it, uh, you know, a lot of people go that route of just grab an internship and let me work my way up. Others go to broadcasting school and, and try to approach it from that way. Some people do a blend. What was that like for you? Yeah, you hit it right the first time, man. I I got an internship at KSFM. I was fortunate enough. I went to El Camino High School, and they have a student-run radio station there. And so while I can't compare the student-run radio station to what I experienced at KSFM, it really helped my love for creating something grow. Because at the, at the radio station at El Camino, like, we were in full charge of it. We were in, as long as the music that we played wasn't obscene, like, we were in charge of what we were doing. We were essentially our own program directors, and we were in charge of our show while we were on the air. And we had to learn how to run commercials. We had to learn how to fire songs. We had to learn how to talk up ramps and do that whole thing. So I did that for my four years in high school. And, you know, when I left uh, for my glorious time at junior college at American River College, you know, you know, when you when you when you graduate high school and you enroll for you know college, if you go to a junior college like I did, they give you this like checklist and they say, you know, you got to take classes from this category and then classes from this category. And then if you you know, take classes from all of these categories that will help you earn your Associate of Arts degree, and that will all transfer to you if you go to Sac State or wherever state college you go to, and you'll, you'll be able to earn your bachelor's degree. And so my first semester, I was checking the boxes and doing everything I was supposed to do, and I was bored out of my mind. So the next two semesters, I just took classes that interest me. Uh, they didn't have anything to do with advancing a, a degree or transferring to Sac State. I was taking courses on African-American history and different African-American studies classes. I was taking courses on business communications, business law, different types of marketing. And while I was doing all that, I was able to grab an internship at KSFM. And my first day at KSFM was uh, I was doing an appearance with Big Al, who was just, you know, his his last stint on the radio was with V101.1 here and here in Sacramento. And I I told him, I was like, yeah, this is cool. Like, I didn't really want to, like, hang up posters like I don't really want to be a part of the promotions team like I want to learn how to do what you do and he said okay well I'll, I'll talk to the program director and, and if he okays it like you know you can come in you can sit in you know one day each week and I'll, I'll teach you the ins and outs and I'll, I'll show you how certain things run and you know that's that is a hundred percent how it started uh, it was it was an internship and then it was curiosity and then it was you know, Big Al being willing to teach me, and, and, and that's how my, you know, that's how the first part of my radio career started. Yeah, and your goal in mind at that time, was it mainly to, to get into media, or like my cases was, you know, I just want to get into sports, and I felt like mm-hmm. media was a avenue that I discovered. So what was, what was your goal? I, I, wanted to be, I wanted to be a morning show host. I wanted to, I wanted to be like, uh, I, I wanted to be like a Doug Banks or uh, a Tom Joyner or, or one of those, you know, hosts that you hear syndicated on urban stations around the country. You know, in Los Angeles, they had big boys neighborhood. I wanted to do, I wanted to be the voice for KSFM, which was for so long and still is, you know, the heritage radio station here for, you know, hip hop and R&B. And that's, that's what I wanted to be. I wanted to be the voice that, that, that people came to each, every, uh, each morning that they got up and, and went to work or, or took their kids to school or they were going to school or, or, or whatever it may be. Uh, that was, you know, my goal, and I loved music. I wanted to work around music. I wanted to be in music, but I can't sing. I can't play instruments. I have very zero. I mean, I have less than zero talent in that regard. And I thought this was, you know, this was my avenue. I used to play music all the time. I used to make mixtapes. I used to try to talk up records and 
you know, they, they call it like if you can talk up to the point that the words start, like if you're talking over the instrumental and you get to the point where the words start, that's you hit the post. Like I used to practice hitting the post before I was ever in radio. And that was, you know, my, I wasn't even thinking about sports at the time. Sports was, was fun for me and I enjoyed it, but it, was, it wasn't even something I was thinking about when I started in radio. So when did that thought come in? I mean, when did those two, the passion for sports, blend with the passion of radio? How did that occur? Yeah, I, you know, I had left the radio business for a while and it was in, involved in some other stuff involving, you know, sports and involving the WNBA. And I spent a lot of time in Connecticut and around ESPN. And so, like, my love for sports never changed. It was always there. And after the... Vivek and his group bought the Sacramento Kings. I was here for the, you know, I did whatever you the the We Won rally that was at Cesar Chavez Park, and my program director at KSFM was now the program director at KHDK, and he said to me like, "Hey, have you ever thought about, you know, trying to be a talk show host? Because I had done the morning show stuff, uh, I had done other day parts at KSFM, and." You know, it was it, it was it was awesome. It was everything I wanted to be when I left. I was totally content with everything that I had been, done during my eight years there. And he was like, "Have you, have you thought about like, you know, talking, like do, do, doing an actual talk show?" And I was like, "Yeah, I, I've, I've thought about it. I just, I, you know, I, I didn't really know where to go with it." And he was like, "Well, why don't you know if you if you come back to Sacramento, like let's talk about it." So about a month later, I, I, you know, I flew back to Sacramento. We met on a Thursday. And he's like, what do you think? Like, do you really want to try this? I was like, yeah, like, I want to try it. And he goes, okay, well, how about you come in Saturday? It's like, okay, yeah, come in Saturday and just do like two hours. Oh, okay, yeah, I could do that. I had never prepared. Like, on the FM side, you're talking for 30 seconds, 45 seconds at the most in the morning. You're talking for a handful of minutes. On the sports side, particularly on the weekends, you're talking for about 24 and a half minutes straight. And it's like, okay, I can do this. So that night, remember this was Thursday, I prepared, like I, I'm telling you guys, I had 40 pages of notes. And I burned through them in the first segment because I didn't know how to talk on sports radio yet. On KSFM, you, you kind of talk faster. Uh, you try to get the message out. You try to get your point across. You don't really let things breathe. And on the FM side, or excuse me, on the AM side as a sports talk show host, you got to talk with a little bit more of a cadence. You got you to gotta allow things to breathe. You got to allow people to think about what you're saying. You got to allow, you know, your audience time to digest what you're saying. And I did not do that well at all. So I was 24 and a half minutes into a two-hour show, and so I called Kara Lawson and asked her to do the next segment with me because I didn't know what to do. And she was a voice that the, that the Kings fans were familiar with, and she jumped on with me, and I killed the segment with her. And then, you know, my buddy Mike Tebow, who's the head coach of the Connecticut Sun, or he's now the, he was the head coach of the Connecticut Sun at the time in the WNBA. He's now the head coach of the Washington Mystics who just won the WNBA championship last year, he was listening and I said, Hey, you, you want to talk? Like he, you know, he's the Northern California native. So we, you know, we talked and, you know, we had a, I was able to, I was able to like settle down talking to those guys. And then I had 24 and a half minutes left to myself. And by that point I had like calmed down and I was like, okay, I know how to do this now. And I was able to do that last segment on my own. That was my introduction into KHDK. Uh, it was a long time before, you know, the lowdown started, but I had moved back. I started doing various fill-in shifts, whether, you know, a, at the time it was Jason and Nate Goodyear. If one of those guys was, were gone, I would fill in for the other one. I got to work with Deuce and Mo for, I don't know, the, about, I, I think like six or seven straight days, um, filled in for, you know, Grant was by himself at the time, filled in for him on a number of occasions and all of that happened. Uh, before the lowdown started. Fun fact, though, and I always remember this because she told me this, and I, I just, given, you know, where she's at in her career now, I think it's awesome. Morgan, that Saturday show where I was an absolute disaster, uh, Morgan was the board op for it. That was the first time that she board op the show all by herself, like with, with, you know, no one else in there, which is always a cool little 
footnote to my journey there at that radio station because of, you know, how obviously how talented she is and what she's gone on to do with her career. Right. And she really helped me through that. Yeah, everything connects a little bit, right? I mean, there's a lot of the same faces you kind of see around in this community. And I, I, I want to ask you about the difference between doing a show individually or a, a radio segment individually, a podcast individually compared to with another person. Because, I mean, for myself, I could never sit and do one on my own. I would have no clue how to keep a conversation flowing with myself. Um, so I'm what sure are you could? The, yeah, sure you could. You, you, you know... You, you don't think you can because you haven't done it yet, but you absolutely can. You just have to start attacking. You know, you know one, one of my favorite messages that I get from people, or whether it's on social media or, or, or on my podcast text line, is, well, I don't always agree with what you say, but I really like listening to you. And there's this thing in sports media where we feel like we have to be right, and we feel like we have to make everybody see things the way that we do. We always approached it differently. You know, myself and Jason, well, you know, whatever incarnation of the lowdown it was, whether it was me, Jason, and Ken, or me, Jason, and Chris, it was always, you don't have to agree with us. We just want you to hear us. Like, listen to what we're saying. And you can form your own opinion based off what we're saying, whether you agree with us or you disagree with us. But what we do is we present information. It's kind of like the difference between being a, you know, someone who is, is like a journalist and they cover the news for the AP. And when you cover the news for the AP, and Richard, te- you know, attests to this, you, you present facts, right? This is, these are the facts. These are what's in front of us. Well, Rich, you just wrote a column for the Sacramento Bee that was, it was, it was kind of based on some ideas, right? And it was based on some opinions as it, as it pertains to the, to the Kings' next play-by-play guy. That's essentially what doing a radio show or a podcast is by yourself, is you present ideas and you allow your audience to digest them. And there are times where you, you, know, you have to acknowledge if there's an obvious question to one of your ideas, you have to acknowledge it for them. Like if you know that there's a question someone is going to answer, you answer or you, if there's a question that you know someone's going to ask, you answer it for them as part of your commentary. Um, it's, a, it's a learned craft. It's, it's two different. It's like a marathon versus a sprint. And in the realm of being by yourself, you're you're in a marathon like you you have to know where you're going you have to have your own ins and outs you have to know how to take a conversation in a different direction Uh, with a partner you know like like when I had Jason and Chris with me like I knew I only needed a little bit of the topic right if we were going to talk about the Sacramento Kings and the return to basketball that was it that's all we needed it was the Sacramento Kings, it was the return to basketball, and it was their chances against the Pelicans and the Grizzlies and, and everybody else uh, in the Blazers, everybody else competing for that eight spot. That's all we needed. But when you're by yourself, it's like, okay, so we've got these teams. Well, what are the other storylines? Well, we know the media is really going to push for the Pelicans because they want to see the Pelicans and the Lakers. Well, we know that the media really loves Dame Lillard, so the Dame Lillard conversation is going to come up. Everybody has completely discounted the Memphis Grizzlies. Well, now we've got to focus on the Kings. What does this mean for for Buddy? Is Buddy going to continue to come off the bench? Is Marvin Bagley going to play? Where does Harry Giles fit into all this? So these are, you know, outlines that you kind of put in front of you that you know with a partner the conversation will kind of take that direction naturally as opposed to when you're by yourself, you have to remember to take that direction yourself. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, Yeah, I know that Brennan and I, we we can walk in here and not have a ton of prep going because, uh, you know, sometimes we do, but also – we can have if we have a topic that we know we both have something to say about, we know we can just keep playing off each other's last comment, you know, keep asking each other, you know, questions, prodding, probing, and we'll we'll find uh, we'll find a good hour long conversation in there. Um, it does sound like something that that I, I think Brennan especially I think you could you could uh, practice that uh, build that muscle. But um, yeah, I mean it's also pretty cool to uh, you know you mentioned you called up. Carrie Lawson <clears throat> that Saturday, it's pretty cool to – you guys were already married a long time by then, right? I mean, you're pretty cool yeah. to be able to call up your wife as well yeah. for an outlet. Yeah, there was, that, there was that moment of exposure where it's like, okay, I'm about to call someone who knows significantly more about basketball than I could ever dream about knowing, and I just have to put that out there and understand that people have got to recognize this is reality in my house. She knew more about basketball than, you know, I could ever dream about, and, you know, she still teaches me about the game to this day, and she teaches me about, you know, nuances of the game, and there's still plenty of times that I have to call and ask questions about the game and, and, and different things that I see and things that she can answer. 
but yeah, that was <laughs> that was an emergency line that I had to call there on the first day for sure. And she was an asset, you know, all through the lowdown and you know different things that we were able to do when she got the job with the Washington uh, Wizards or. You know, the day Pat Summit died, I thought we were able to present a really unique program that day because I had personal ties to Pat Summit. I thought we were able to do something that, you know, no one outside the city of Knoxville and the entire country were to do. And I was hoping that we could provide some insight into some someone that people in this market may not have known a ton about. Yeah, can you get into that a little bit? Um, like your just experience with, uh, with her and her foundation, it looks like you've been doing it since about 2012 and are still a part of that, right? Yeah, the Pat Summit Foundation yeah, was formed after uh, she uh, announced to the world that she had Alzheimer's, and we had started a – so, to, you know, to go back just a bit further, when I left uh, KSFM, you know, the, the reason was because we had decided, you know, Kara had played on the Olympic team, and we had watched the way, you know, a lot of guys run their business, particularly LeBron James. Like, we were all in the same hotel for about three weeks together. And it was an opportunity to see the way that people like LeBron James and Carmelo Anthony and some of those, you know, very top tier NBA players conducted themselves in terms of the way they conducted business. And that gave us the idea, like, you know, we could do this. Obviously, we couldn't do it on a million dollar level, but we could do it on the level, you know, that fits your ESPN career, that fits your WNBA career. And so a couple of months after the Olympics, we decided that that was going to be the route that we were going to go. And she, you know, after the Olympics, they got through the 2008 season, 2009 season. She was battling through a little bit of knee discomfort. So we decided we were going to go to Knoxville and she was going to rehab out there for the entire offseason. We were going to spend the whole offseason in Knoxville and we were going to live in Pat Summit's house. She has a guest house uh, just uh, by the pool, basically a pool house. And uh, we decided that we were going to live out there. We were going to be at the University of Tennessee every day doing her rehab. And, you know, we were going to be doing that whole thing. And so that's how I got really, really close to Pat. While we were there, that's when the Monarchs folded. So ultimately what happened is we went to Knoxville with the idea of rehabbing and getting ready for the next WNBA season. But ultimately what happened is we went to Knoxville and we didn't come back because there was no team to come back to. She wound up signing with Connecticut. ESPN was a about 90 minutes from where we live. So we just made the decision that that's where, you know, we're, we're just going to live out there. But we spent, yeah, we spent about five months, you know, living with Pat and then went back the next year and spent another couple of months with her. Uh, when she announced that she had Alzheimer's, we, we were presented with a, a, a weird opportunity about six weeks before the New York City. Oh, it was about eh, maybe a little bit longer. It might have been eight weeks before the New York City Marathon. We got a, a, a text from someone who was like, hey, do you guys want to go to the marathon? Is, you know, maybe we could do something uh, where, with NBC where we help raise, raise awareness for Alzheimer's and what Pat, you know, what, what Pat is dealing with and, and, and the new foundation that she's about to start. And I thought, hmm, all right, like, could we get a spot in the marathon? Like, could I get a spot in the marathon? And sure enough, this person who's a uh, she's an agent in the WNBA and she reps, you know, the, the you know, the big dogs, Diana Taurasi, Maya Moore. She was able to get me a spot in the New York City Marathon. So we made the decision. What we'll do is we'll start a fundraising campaign and people can donate to the Pat Summit Foundation for uh, a, a, you know, just as a and, you know, you know, the, the punishment is going to be I run the marathon like, I, you know, like, like that's what we're raising funds for. I'm going to run the New York City Marathon and. We're going to raise, you know, money for the Pat Summit Foundation. And so that's ultimately what happened. We wound up doing that, you know, for we, we did really, really well that first year. I think we raised close to $20,000 that first year. Over the three years that we did it, uh, including one marathon that didn't get run because of the Hurricane Sandy, we wound up raising, oh, man, I think it was close to $50,000, $40,000, uh, But it was a number that we were very proud of. Pat, uh, Kara still serves on the board of the Pat Summit Foundation. Uh, and, yeah, we're, we're still very, very close to that organization, very close. That's fantastic. It's a very worthy cause. And uh, I also know that uh, Kara's got a, a fan in Brendan as a, as a guy that grew up a Celtics fan. So uh, I'm, I'm sure he's excited to see Any chance to expose me, Henry? <laughs> I had to just make that little dig. Guys are pretty awesome, man. No, they're 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 a really good team. They're they're one of those teams that I would I would watch during this. I would watch during you know whatever this this stretch of basketball looks like in Orlando, man. They're they're really good. Brad Stevens is an awesome coach. Obviously, they got the best assistant in the entire league. So 
know, we'll 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 see where this goes. But yeah, that that, that Celtics team is legit, man. They are, they are, and I I give uh, Brennan some guff about that. But you know, in truth, uh, Brennan Brennan and I were both uh, relatively newcomers to the Sacramento Kings. Like we didn't grow up here. Uh, you know, we you know don't I don't think we really watched any of like pre Cousins era Kings. Um, and I know that, uh, you know, just speaking for myself, I was not a big radio guy. I didn't listen to a ton of Sacramento local radio, um, you know, in that hate it when you're, you're talking about uh, Deuce and Mo, mm-hmm. talking about yourself, the lowdown, talking about, uh, I mean, it, the, the more recent years um, caught a little bit of it. But, you know, what was it like to work with that group of people who, like, I mean, really uh, – there's a tremendous amount of popularity for a lot of you guys that yeah, unfortunately aren't there anymore. I, I still see people tweeting at you guys constantly. Yeah. You know, Deuce and Mo, I, I didn't get to work with them enough. We worked together on a part-time basis. You know, unfortunately when the lowdown started, they decided to make another change in the morning show that involved, you know, removing Deuce and Mo and, and putting, you know, uh, Katie Hunter in there. And uh, I was, you know, always really disappointed in that because I think the world of both of them and, I've, I've told them this, and I and I and I know I tweeted it out well over a year ago that they really kind of set the template for what I've done since the lowdown ended, uh, in the way that not only that they conducted themselves, but the way that you know they they just kind of kept pushing. They were like, you know, we're gonna we're gonna carve out our place here, and you know, having a, a very successful podcast, obviously that leading to a job with the Sacramento Kings. Now what they do with the Stockton Kings, and you know, we'll see what's ahead. Uh, you know, for those two with potential vacancies coming on the television side. And, you know, I, I, you know, I, I, I think very, very highly of both of those guys. I love Jason Ross. Uh, I, t- I mean, I, I, I still talk to Jason very regularly when the stuff with Grant happened. You know, Jason, you know, I was, I was talking to Jason that night. I, I actually talked to Jason and Doug both uh, very, very regularly. Uh, Doug and I stay in constant communication. Uh, you know, I, I'm really excited for Doug, and I'm really excited for the future of that show uh, because, Doug has, you know, Doug is a tremendous storyteller. He's a really, really good storyteller. He's got, he's got great ideas. He's, he's, he's got, he's so likable. And with Jason being the very, you know, Jason, you know, even though he might be in the so-called chair one, even though he might be the first voice that you hear when you come back from commercial break, he's going to be able to set Doug up to be, to be the star of that show. And I think when you work with a personality like Grant, it's difficult for the other guy to star, even if the other guy is Doug Christie. And Doug was very reserved in his time with Grant. And I think now being able to work with Jason and now having a little bit more freedom uh, with, you know, not feeling like he's hindered to the quote Grant Napier show, you know, it's now you call it whatever you want to like it's, it's Doug's show now and it's his job to, to make it compelling for, a new audience and if the people who are angry that Grant is gone want to come back or however they want to work that Doug has the ability to bring in a new audience. And that, that was actually my biggest gripe. You know, you talk about not, you know, not really listening to sports talk radio here. Truth is I didn't either. I like Deuce and Mo a lot and I listened to them and I listened to them with Jason because I like Jason a lot and I knew Jason personally before I started working there and I, I always enjoyed what they've done, but I've never liked, this is going to sound, I'm not trying to take a shot at any, I never liked KHDK outside of those guys. Like I just, it didn't appeal to me. Uh, Dave doesn't appeal to me. Grant doesn't appeal to me. It's not what I like to listen to. And my issue has always been in my, you know, I have an issue, you know, particularly right now as we're talking about diversity in this country, I have an issue with the lack of diversity in this market. And the way Dave does his show doesn't appeal to me. The way Grant does his show, it doesn't appeal to me. That's why when we started the lowdown, we made the decision, we're going to do something different. And if we fail, we fail. Like, it's fine, but we're not going to change who we are, you know, in, in, in hopes of, you know, this audience that has listened to KHK forever is going to accept us. What we're going to do is we're going to try to create something different. And we're going to create something different. We're going to bring in an audience that doesn't listen to KHK. We're going to bring in an audience that feels like they, they haven't had a, a, a voice to hear on sports talk before. We're going to create something totally different. Our topics are going to be different. Our bumper music is going to be different. Uh, you know, our, you know, anytime we venture outside the realm of sports, we're going to talk about stuff that Dave wouldn't talk. We're not going to, you know, Dave, you know, Dave's got the, you know, the, the hot dog condiment market cornered. Like he can have that. We'll talk about black sitcoms. You know what I mean? Or we'll talk about hip hop music or we'll talk about sitcoms period. Or we'll talk about our favorite movies. We'll, we'll do stuff like that. 
that that caters a little bit more to what we do. And Jason's probably the biggest hip hop head on the planet. And nobody really knows that because he doesn't really open himself up like that. He, I mean, he like knows funk and soul and, you know, R&B. Like that dude has a deep, he has a deep love. His, his, uh, his library of music, I mean, it, it stretches multiple genres and he can talk about all of them. And it's like, yo, man, let's do that. And, you know, that was something that we wanted to create on the lowdown because we didn't really love what was on the radio station. And so that was, that was, you know, one of our, you know, focal points is, as we, you know, stepped out there and we're like, well, let's create this. Uh, but working with, you know, Deuce, Mo, Jason, you know, those, and, and Doug now, you know, those, those guys are awesome. And, and again, I'll, I'll, I'll repeat this again. Doug is going to do great in this time slot. And no matter how you feel about Grant Napier getting released, you should, you should give Doug a listen, man, because he's, he, he's, he's going to be really good in that time slot. There's no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partner, Bet Online. NASCAR is back, and Bet Online has hundreds of other games, events, and sports you can get in on. You can still bet on simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC events 24-7, or you can participate in a $10,000 Madden Bracket Challenge, a March Madness-style NFL simulation tournament you can enter for free. And live right now on BetOnline's YouTube channel, you'll find an exclusive interview with ex-Chicago Bulls Ron Harper, Horace Grant, Bill Cartwright, and Craig Hodges to discuss the Michael Jordan documentary on what they're calling the final dance. Visit BetOnline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus and check out all the action. BetOnline, your online wagering solution. Going against the grain a little bit with your show and, and going in a different direction, was there a little bit of pushback on that from the audience at first? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It, we, 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 we had to fight through that. You know, we had to fight through, you know, the change in, the change in music. Believe it or not, you know, there, there, was a, there, was, there were people who were not happy with the music that we were playing as rejoinder music. And oftentimes we would let rejoinder music play. It'd be like, yo, I love this song. Let it play a minute. You know, we would do things like that. Uh, yeah, there was absolutely pushback, and we just – we, we, there was fight through it. There was pushback when we started to focus, you know, some of our time on – on. you know, we very – you know, people like to say, well, you talked you – got, you got too political. You talked to too many politics. We, the, the only time that I can really remember us talking about a situation that didn't have an athlete tie-in was when, if you recall, there was a stretch there in July of 2016 when Philando Castillo died, Alton Sterling died, and then there was that five Dallas police officers were shot. And I remember, the, the, I think it was the day after the five Dallas police officers were shot. We were halfway through the show. I remember it so vividly. It was one, we had gone to the commercial at 125, and it was, it was just silent which it, it never is in the studio. Normally when we go to commercial, the conversation continues or someone who wanted to say something vulgar on the air, you know what I mean? They get it out. It's rarely quiet. But in that moment, it was quiet. And I remember saying, so this is what we're doing? This, like, this is how we're going to do our show? And they both knew what I meant. And Jason kind of looked up and Ken kind of looked up. And, you know, he was like, well, do you want to, you want to, you want to do it? And I was like, we look like, we look like idiots. And I'm cleaning that up because I don't know your profanity. I, I, I'm usually allowed one F-bomb per week on my show, which <laughs> I've broken that rule terribly. Yeah, you have free reign here, man. Yeah, okay. Well, I, 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 you know, I was like, dude, we look like assholes. We look absolutely ridiculous. We're, we're avoiding a story that is, you know, it, it would be like, it, uh, you know, imagine turning on the radio right now and ignoring George Floyd. Imagine turning on the radio and ignoring what's going on in this country right now. That's the way I felt that day. And Ken was like, okay. And I looked at Jason. He was like, let's, let's do it. And so we did it. And the idea was, it was 1.30. The idea was, all right, I think we can say what we're comfortable saying by 2 o'clock. We'll reset. We'll get back to the topics that everybody expects. And that didn't happen. You know, the phone started ringing, and people started having a conversation on it. And, it, and I remember, it actually wasn't a bad conversation. But that was the first time I really remember bringing up a a story that didn't have any sports figure tied to it. And remember, that was in July. So two months later, 
a grainy cell phone video catches Colin Kaepernick sitting on the bench of a, of a preseason game. And that just opened the floodgates for something entirely different. And when we started the conversation on that, I understood, and we played the audio of what Colin Kaepernick said the next day, and we made our stance pretty clear. We get it, and we support it. And, man, that was tough. That was, that was tough because you're fighting against an audience that is predominantly older. You know, we're still, we're still establishing ourselves as a show at this time. We're barely six months old. We're not even six months old yet. And we're still fighting that audience that you just asked about. And we're still, we're still trying to let, you know, instead of, you know, catering to the, to the 34 to 55-year-old male demographic, we're trying to bring in the 18 to 34-year-old demographic. And it was tough, man. Those, those early months with Colin Kaepernick were tough. And, you know, we, I saved some of those texts. I posted them for the first time on social media the other day. And those were, there were some that I just won't post because I would never want my mom to see them. But there are some bad ones, man. And, yeah, it was, it, it was difficult. We definitely, we were, we were fighting uphill for sure. Yeah, man. I, <laughs> uh, so since I started uh, writing for the B, uh, I, I've gotten some emails, uh, specifically this week, where I really just, I, I mentioned that, that Grant Napier had resigned from his position with the Kings and been fired from KCK. Uh, and I think that I did it in a pretty non-biased way, just, just like as, as, as not engaging as I could possibly be about it. Sure. Uh, because that's not what the article was about. It was trying to look forward to, to other potential opportunities, right? And I got some of the most disgusting mail I've ever seen in my life. Um, and I, I, to the point where I don't want to talk about the contents of it, but you yeah, know, that's, it's, yeah, it's the audience, Rich, you know what I mean? It's it, the sports media audience. And, and this is, you know, part of the, this was, this has always been part of my frustration. It's not localized to KHTK. It's, it's really in general is it, it's dominated by that older male demographic and it, and it, it's, it's it, in terms of sports media consumption is dominated by an older white male demographic. And, you know, sometimes I think program directors for radio stations and I think they don't think that black people listen to sports talk or, or they don't think that black people want to listen to sports talk or, or minorities of any kind or women for that matter. Like we used to really try to make sure we included women on our show as much as we possibly could because it was like, yo, there are Morgan Reagan's out there. Like, why aren't we doing something for them? Like, we're, we're just catering to this one group and we're alienating everybody else. And, I mean, you, you writing for a newspaper, man, like, that is as archaic as it gets. You know, in a, in a world where we have, you know, apps now and we've got Bleacher Report and we've got social media, it's like the newspaper. Like, what, what is the newspaper? It, and, and it's almost like sports talk, sports media, you know, uh, uh, sports talk radio, excuse me, has gone that same route. It's like sports talk radio. Yo, I got, uh, I got the King's Pulse podcast. I got the podcast with Damian Barling. I got all of this other side. What, what am I going to turn on the radio for? So we're, so we're talking about, you know, two of the most, you know, archaic forms of media where, you know, people, that's where their comfort is. So, you know, the, you mentioned that you, you know, who, Brandon, you mentioned who you've been talking to lately. Get Jason on the phone when this thing settles down and, and ask him what some of the message he's been getting. Uh, he's been getting have been like over the course of the last few days. I'm sure they're a lot like what Rich's have been over the last few days as well. Yeah, and honestly, I think that that what's going on with those more archaic or, or the the more uh, old school forms of media are you know tied to the trajectory of those forms of media, which is you know downward. Yeah, uh, to be you know to be frank about it. Um, Sacramento Bee, incredible paper, uh, truly an incredible part of this community and part of this city, but just, you know, had to, is in intense financial trouble. Yeah, um, I mean, it, it, but it's still, you know, it's still, it's still there and it's still something people turn to, like Marcos Bertone. Like we had a Twitter exchange on Friday uh, because of something that he wrote and something that I took offense to. And the way it's ultimately ending is he's doing an article on the podcast and the things that I've been doing uh, since KHDK and what it was like to cover covered Colin Kaepernick four years ago. So there's still, you know, there's still use for that. You know, it's still a form of media people use. It's just you've got to understand that the, the most vocal portion is, is probably going to be that 
that older group that feels like, well, you're going against the grain here. You're going against what I love. Like the people, you know, I think people overall are uncomfortable with change. Older people are really, really uncomfortable with change. Those are people who, when they read the newspaper, they're reading it. Like they're holding the paper in their hands. They're getting the ink all over their fingers. Like they're doing that. They're not getting their sports news from ESPN or Bleacher Report or anything that pops up on some sort of cell phone device. They're getting it from their local news. They're watching Del Rogers or they're watching Marshall Harris or Sarah Hodges or, or Sean and Lena or whoever. Like that's where they're getting their news from. They're getting their news from those old school forums because that's what they always did. And when you start to tell them, well, there's going to be change, oh, they don't want to hear it, especially if they don't understand the reason that there is change. And I'll say for myself that I – am much more uh, I have much more exposure to you after KHDK because I was always a podcast guy. Mm-hmm. I was listening to my podcast every time I drive and if my phone's dead I'll turn on the radio, right? Uh, and now you've got the Hoop Ball, Sacramento Kings podcast, mm-hmm. uh, obviously amazing podcast. Then you've got um, three other podcasts going on right now. Maybe I'm wrong on that count. Maybe there's even more I don't know about. I'm, 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 Le- I'm LeBron James in that Miami Heat rally, man. Not one, not two, <laughs> not three, not four. Yeah, that's my, my – you know, the bread and butter is the podcast with Damian Barling. And you know what? I, it took me a long time to – like, because originally I started the podcast after the lowdown ended because it was like, okay, I need to stay sharp. And if, I, if I'm not doing a daily podcast, I'm not going to stay connected because it's really easy, you know, after you, you become, as you guys know, engulfed in sports. Like when you're covering it, you're just engulfed in it and you're constantly watching it. You're looking, you know, you're watching games that maybe don't have particular uh, uh, appeal, but you're, you know that there could potentially be a story coming out of a Pelicans game with Zion Williamson, or there could be a, a story coming out of the Lakers Clippers game. So you're watching that and you're looking, you know, as a, as a, as a podcast host, you should always look for the story. What is the story? Like, how can I tell the story of this game? And that's the, that's the way, that's the reason I started the podcast was I want to stay sharp. I need to be aware of everything that's going on. And, you know, I'll just do this until I next get my next radio gig. And, you know, as time went along, I realized, oh, I don't, I don't know that the next radio gig is out there. Like, I wasn't making any traction with, you know, with the Bay Area. They have a good group of guys up there at both stations. That, you know, I know, I know people at both of them and, you know, have exchanged pleasantries, but nothing really past that. I know they're not looking to really make any changes. I, I had one extended conversation uh, with the station in Dallas, and they were like, yo, if you're serious about this, let's fly out. Let's talk. You know, a couple of days later, I was like, yeah, I don't, I, I don't think I want to move to Texas for sports talk radio. And it, it started to set in. I've had extended conversations on many, many occasions with ESPN 1320. And I just, I, you know, I know the, the economic makeup of that station. And I just realized I don't, I don't think that, I don't think that next radio job is coming. So why not embrace it? Like why not embrace this new medium and go away from this old school one? You know, why not embrace what this podcast is like? I could post a podcast every morning at seven o'clock. And people know every morning at seven o'clock, I'm going to post this podcast. And it was like, okay, there's where I'll cover like the meat. Like there's where I will take what I would normally do on a, on a radio show. Because when you do a three hour radio show, there's a lot of repeating. Like I'm not going to talk about the Kings one time in a three hour radio show. I'm going to probably talk about them two or three times because there's an audience turnover. Well, with a podcast, you don't have to do that. So if you lay out about an hour's worth of work or 70 minutes worth of work, that is essentially a radio show in which you don't have to repeat anything. And so people know, you know, no later than seven o'clock every day, they can get the podcast with Amy Barling and that can be their local content because maybe they, you know, again, this isn't a shot, but maybe they don't like Carmichael Dave. Maybe they don't want to hear what Trey Wingo and, and Mike Golick have to say. And so it's like, you know, we've, we've got something here. We've got alternatives for them in a world where it feels like maybe on the AM dial or the AM FM dial that they don't have alternatives. Well, you do. And it's here on the podcast. And so you know, as part of, you know, as part of these different brainstorming sessions I've had, I had a real popular podcast called Be Conscious, which was something that spoke specifically about social issues, mostly issues on race. And I talked to, you know, a number of authors. I talked to, you know, Dr. Robin DiAngelo, who wrote a, who wrote a book called White Fragility, which seems to be a very popular book over the last couple of weeks. Like we did a 30 minute interview together and I thought, okay, here's, here, here, here's an idea. I'm going to start a Patreon account in which, you know, I'm going to use that that podcast, which was really popular both in Sacramento and outside of Sacramento, I'm going to use that as leverage to get basically 
a subscription service. And then I'm going to create, much like the King's Herald has done, I'm going to create different tiers of support. One that involves like a wrestling podcast, one that involves a ton of King's content, and then one that just shows support for everything I'm doing. And the response to that over the last couple of weeks has been, you know, absolutely amazing. But I feel like if I can provide content that people like, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll support it. And that's, that's why, <laughs> that's why I have so many podcasts. The Kings podcast came because I, I think the world of Aaron Brewski, I think hoop-ball.com is a great website. It's a, it's, it's, you know, I'm not a big gambler. So a lot of that stuff goes over my head, but I know it's, you know, for daily fantasy players, like it is, a, it's a really big thing and it, it keeps me pretty connected with the team. And so uh, that's why I do the hoop ball website. Cause that's the only podcast that I do that actually isn't mine. Uh, it's Brewski's, but I, I I really do love doing it. And I know, you know, Kings fans are as loyal as they get. So that that's always been one that's had a huge audience. So th- so in turn, because it has a huge audience, it helps me because they come check out my daily podcast too. Right, and you obviously do great uh, great work with everything you do. I saw today's Be Conscious was uh, with Renee Montgomery, who I got the chance to speak with uh, probably about a month and a half ago. She's an absolutely amazing yeah. guest. I, yeah, uh, I listened to that. She's great, isn't she? Yeah, she's amazing. She's super down to earth and, yeah, easy to talk to and great person for sure. Um, yeah, I met her in Connecticut, man. It's been cool to watch her. Yeah, I don't mean this is going to sound so, like, dumb. I met her out of college. Like, she, she had played one year in the WNBA with Minnesota, and then she had come over to Connecticut. She was, you know, she was young, 20s at the time. To see, like, her now and what she's doing now, like, I mean, it's just it's so cool because she was always, like, the knucklehead. She was, like, the class clown. You know what I mean? She was always funny. She was the one making everybody laugh. And she has this big, you know, personality. And, you know, to see the things that she's involved in now, she still has that big personality. Uh, but, you know, to see the Renee Montgomery Foundation and, and you know, the GoFundMe page that she's helped, uh, that, that she's launched to, you know, help protesters and, and, and supporters of the cause and all of that, it's just uh, awesome. Yeah, definitely. And to turn to you a little bit, um, a little bit of a different direction here, I got to ask Deuce, who was on here, I think the most recent episode, what the origin of the Deuce nickname was, right? And I didn't realize he's the second Carmichael Dave on KHTK, so that's where Deuce came from. You mentioned D'Lo. Is that like D'Angelo Russell D'Lo, and where did that nickname come from? Yeah, so I, at at KSFM, when I got my first, I I had been doing – overnight shifts as like tryouts they were Sunday mornings 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. and I was trying to figure out what a name should be and I like I didn't like Damien I've always hated the name Damien and I certainly don't like Damien Barling and it was like oh man and then I got put on a shift my first like oh boy people might actually be listening to this shift was a Sunday 8 a uh, 8 p.m. to midnight shift and I thought, okay, I need a name. And I racked my brain all week trying to come up with a name. And, man, this was, this was WWE Attitude Era time, man. And I was, I, was, I was watching, you know, I don't know if it was a pay-per-view or Raw or video. I don't know what I was watching. But out walked D'Lo Brown. And I thought, hmm, okay. So I text Big Al. I was like, hey, Al, what do you think about the name D'Lo? And he goes, I love it. That's it. And I was like, all right. I'm D'Lo. I wish there was a cool story behind it. There's not. I just hated the name Damien, and I needed to find something quick, and I was watching WWF, and D'Lo Brown walked down, and I decided my name is D'Lo. And I thought there was this unwritten rule you couldn't give yourself nicknames. No, they, yeah, and, and, and that absolutely is the thing. That 100% is the thing. And I, I text Big Al. I was like, hey, what do you, you know, that's why I, I needed his approval. I was like, what do, you, what do you think? You think I could run with this? He was like, oh, yeah, that'll work. Like, that, that, that absolutely works. Once I got his blessing, I knew that that could be the name. And there are still people, you know, there, a, a lot of people to this day still call me that. There, I'm, I'm convinced there are people who act, don't actually know my name because they've called me D'Lo for so long. So for the future of terrestrial radio in Sacramento, obviously you're uh, really high on Doug Christie. I am, mm-hmm. too. That's going to be a really exciting show, however that works out. I liked, I noticed uh, on your podcast you said you can't just put uh, Jason Ross on every show, but that's not a bad option, I guess. Uh, I do wonder, like, you know, who is going to step up and fill this void that's been left? Um, I could just refer people to um, your podcast over uh, at the Hoopball Show. I, I'm sure you talk about it on your daily podcast as well. Um, but anything else that you 
you anyone else you want to uh, shout out here? Anyone we should be looking for as up and comers in, in the Sacramento uh, sports media? You know that's that's a that's an interesting that's an interesting thing that you brought up because I, I I just met with you know someone who runs one of the media companies here about a concern that I have that you know I think I had said to you that there really aren't any you know there's you know you know at a time where everybody's talking about Black Lives Matter you're seeing all these companies talk about Black Lives Matter and you know obviously it's a prominent part of what the Sacramento Kings are doing and 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 you know even in a roundabout way it resulted in the in the you know, the end of Grant Napier's 30 plus years with the Sacramento Kings. You know, people are talking about Black Lives Matter, and it bothered me that there aren't black voices on the radio. And, and I, you know, I kind of did an audit like, is Doug Christie the only, is Doug Christie the only black person on the radio? Like, we, we you know, I know Freddie Coleman is on the radio, but Freddie Coleman's not in Sacramento. I, I, I think there are, you know, V101.1, you know, that's kind of a basically like an old school hip hop station. They don't have any local people on the air. The end, KSFM. There, there's no black voices on the air, and 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 a bigger issue is there's no young voices on the air. So I started to think, you know, where where is this next crop of like sports media talent? You know what I mean? Because ultimately at KHDK, the way the economics are, because I don't know if you guys realize this, we're actually still in the middle of a pandemic. Like, we're not out of the woods. I, I know it feels like we are. I know it feels like there's some semblance of normal out there. Like it's we're we're very much not. And the ev- economic impact of that uh, of COVID nineteen and, and and of the pandemic is still very much being felt, particularly by media companies who survive on advertising. And there are companies who are you know concerned about like well I we don't know what the fall is going to look like. We we don't want to spend a bunch of money on advertising. So ultimately what I think is going to happen at KHDK is Jason right now is hunkered down with Del Christie in that afternoon show. I ultimately think that's what it's going to remain. I think that's what that – I think what we see right now at that radio station is ultimately what it's going to look like moving forward. And maybe a lot will depend on who the Sacramento Kings wind up hiring to take the play-by-play position. And if that play-by-play person decides they want a radio show to go along with this deal, then there's the spot for them there uh, at, at, at 3 o'clock alongside Del Christie. But my concern, you know, to, to get to your, you, this was a very long way of answering your guys' question in that I don't, I don't know. You know, I, I really like Kenny Calloway who did some stuff with Jason Jones. Uh, he, he, he does some stuff on, I think it's KDDE. I think he's, he, you know, he, need, he needs a little bit more seasoning. I think he needs to get a little bit more, uh, he needs some more reps. But the problem with radio now is there's no, there's no training ground. You know what I mean? Like, if you're a talk show host, you can you can goof around with a podcast, right? And you can kind of play around and find your voice on a podcast. But in terms of like young and up and coming guys, I I don't know. Like I don't know where the news the, like the next Deuce comes from. You know what I mean? And, and Deuce is a guy who you know did internships and did all of that stuff. Ken Rudolph tells the story, you know, on a recent episode of the podcast, how he was an intern for Grant Napier. I just told you the story about how I was an intern at KSFM. Internships don't exist anymore. And I would love to be able to have, you know, a list of names of people who should be, you know, next in the Sacramento media market, but, or the Sacramento sports market, but I don't, but I'll tell you both this, like I'm determined to find them. Like I'm determined to find voices uh, for KHK. I'm, I'm, I'm determined to find voices, you know, who, who can launch themselves into the podcast atmosphere. I'm determined to find voices, you know, who can, who can be a, you, you know, the next wave of talent on stations like KSFM. And, 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 and the end and even, you know, 98 Rock and, and different stations like that. And, you know, if, if, if you know of anybody who is interested, direct them my way, man, because that's a problem in Sacramento. And the, the media companies have changed so much in the way that they bring young talent on that it's going to, you know, we're ultimately, we're just going to hear a bunch of, you know, 45, 46, 47, 48, 49, 50 year olds every time we turn on the radio. And, while all those guys have their place, like what if you're a student coming out of Sac State and you, you want to do something in media, there's nowhere for you to go right now. And so we've, I've got to find them. So it's a, a, a terribly long way of saying, I don't know, but I'm going to find them. Yeah, I mean, they're, they they got to be out there, right? I think uh, you'll, <laughs> you'll end up finding them for sure. And, and like you mentioned with this, uh, with this pandemic going on, obviously – getting back to basketball a little bit, the NBA is in a complicated situation. They just announced this 22 teams that are going to be going down to a bubble site in Orlando. How do you feel about uh, the whole format that they have going on? 
I mean, I'm fine with the format. Uh, I I get why they're doing it. Uh, I I like the idea. You know, I, my my gut was just do the 16. Like, let's make this as simple as possible. Let's minimize the risk. Let's minimize this. You know, let's let's keep it as simple. Let's 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 minimize the complications of this and just bring the teams that are in the the 16 playoff positions and start the playoffs. I get why they didn't. Uh, you know, you can get it's it's more money for the players. It's more money from the television companies, which means it's more money for the league. Like I, I, I get why they did it, but I like the way that they did it. I like that, you know, Minnesota's not going. You know what I mean? I like the fact that the the, the New York Knicks aren't going. As a matter of fact, why the New York Knicks don't go? Let's just leave the Knicks out of the league. Period. Let's just <laughs> get rid of them completely. But I like the fact that those teams who really don't have anything to play for, you know, the Warriors, the Knicks, all those. I'm glad that they're not going. Uh, and it's an interesting position for the Sacramento Kings to be in. It's it, and really it's an interesting position for everybody to be in because this is it's unprecedented. We've never experienced anything like this. And you know why you you know you go back and you remember how good that the Lakers were. You remember how good the Kings were playing at the time. You remember how Oklahoma City surprised everybody. You also got to look at like you know what were the last two? You know I'm trying to think about because uh, this is a weird season, unprecedented, right? But what was the last? You know we've had strike shortened seasons before. Like the last one was. 99. No, there was a there was another strike shortened season in there somewhere. There was one that was on the front end was shortened. Uh, yeah, but I'm like, thinking I back think it started to on Christmas I, one year. Yeah, I think there was a. Didn't like the Knicks were like a six seed when they went to the finals one year, and you know you you or maybe they were an eight seed, and you go back and you look at like one of the years that the Rockets won when Michael Jordan wasn't around. Like, they were, like, a, a lower seed team. And, you know, teams, you know, under weird circumstances just kind of sneak in there. You know, we talked about the Celtics earlier. Maybe the Celtics get in there. Maybe, and this sounds so stupid to say out loud, don't hold it against me, what if the Rockets get hot for a couple months? You know what I mean? And, and, and maybe the Rockets don't know it's playoff time and they just go out there and win a bunch of games. James Harden has no idea this is the playoff situation and he just goes out there and balls out. What if Nick Nurse and the Toronto Raptors win their second straight NBA championship? You know, all of these things are are very believable. Philadelphia 76ers are healthy. You know what I mean? Like, so I'm I'm excited yeah. for it. Uh, I the, the only person who I've seen write about this is is uh, you know our buddy Sam Amick, and I, I echo Sam's sentiments in that like I'm nervous for this. I'm nervous in the sense of. It's going to wind up being the first, you know, of the four major sports back. And we just hope that they get through it. Like we, I hope no one, you know, of, I hope no one at all gets a COVID-19 positive test, but that seems absolutely insane. You know, with 1600 people converging onto Disneyland or Disney world, excuse me, that seems absolutely insane that no one will get it. But I hope it's not like Giannis Antetokounmpo right before game one of the NBA finals. You know what I mean? Or like a LeBron James or a Kawhi Leonard or something where you go back and you look at it and you go, well, we'll never really know what happened because so-and-so tested positive and wound up missing an entire series. So I'm yes, excited so. for it. I'm, I'm, I'm certainly excited for it. I'm excited to see the Kings play. I'm excited to see how they, you know, how they, how they come back. You know, it's, it, it is absolutely absurd to think, well, maybe they can pick up where they left off. Like, that's absurd. No one's picking up where they left off. This is, a, this is essentially a brand-new season. And to see how the Kings, you know, start this out will, will will be a whole lot of fun. Right. And I think that it's underplayed how how crazy this could be and how much of a potential asterisk, asterisk there could be on some of these games. I mean, like, there are legitimately, you know, it, it can happen where, and we're seeing it a little bit in the Bundesliga and other leagues around the world that are restarting right now. Like, the majority of a team could could yeah. be, uh, you know, I mean, what what happens if the Lakers, you know, half their team uh, test positive for this, and then what, does the opposing team in the Western Conference Finals get a bye? Yeah. yeah I, I think know. ultimately, yeah. I think ultimately if, if, if a situation is that extreme, Rich, I think we, we, and this, you know, obviously worst, worst case scenario, I think if something is that extreme, we probably see the shutdown of the league. Yeah, I think and I would support that, obviously. I mean, if we're talking about like half a team entering a series, you know, being you know being absent because of this this virus, if if something if it if it if the if the virus is that 
prominent in this bubble, this whole experiment was a massive failure. And, and if this experiment is a massive failure, as sports fans, we're in trouble. Because if this experiment fails, there's no start to the 2021 season. It, you, you can't do it. Like, it doesn't happen. Baseball, the, <laughs> baseball can't get out of its own way. But let's just, for argument's sake, say they do. This will shut it all down again. The NBA, much like they did, you know, back on March 11th, they're, they're going to be the trendsetters here. If they're able to get through this, you know, if they're able to start, you know, in July and get through August, the NFL is going to see this and be like, all right, look how, okay, they've, they've gotten into this. They're good. College football teams are going to see it. Universities are going to see it. Uh, you know, the SEC and the Pac-12, like, okay, you know, they can do this. And now we start to see, all right, maybe we've got college basketball coming back. Maybe we've got college football back. Maybe we can start to resume, you know, different type of contests. But if this fails to the point where, Rich, like you're talking about half a team being out with the virus, it's, I, I, think it's, I think it's all completely shut down, and the sports world is just, oh, you thought the last couple of months were rough. If this thing fails from the NBA, I think it's going to get even worse. This has to succeed. And it's why I echo the sentiments of, 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 of uh, Sam Amick. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm nervous about it because I just I don't want it to fail. Right. And it could be – I mean, it wouldn't even necessarily need to be players. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. if it's broadcasting crews – yeah. If it's like what you know, the media can't be there. I mean, we're like I don't even know how many papers and outlets are sending journalists. Yeah. Who knows so I, on a lot of I, this stuff. I've gotten a little bit of insight in onto that today. You know, there will be media people there. It's just unclear, like exactly how that's going to work. Like, does it when it says media people, do they mean like Woj and like Sam and like some of the some of the upper echelon national writers? Uh, like. I, I don't imagine Jason Jones is going to cover the, you know, you know, go to cover the Sacramento Bee or Jason Anderson because that, that seems like it would be a bit too dangerous with 22 teams. Uh, same with broadcasting crews from a, a, an article that I read from, I think it was The Athletic earlier today. It looks like it's going to be a remote broadcast from, you, you know, I, I'd, I'd imagine whoever winds up calling the games for the Kings, it'll be, you know, probably from San Francisco in the NBC studios. Uh, it'll be done along those lines. Uh, that appears to be the case with the exceptions being TNT games and um, ESPN games. Those games may still be done uh, remotely, uh, but they might actually still be in Orlando, even though they're not in the arena. I think those those things are are still being worked out. But I did hear that media in some way, shape, or form is, is going to be in the bubble. So it's going to be really interesting to see how it all plays out. Um, yeah, I, I know I won't be there. I'll put it like that. Uh, but, um, yeah, man, just wanted to thank you so much for coming on today. Uh, everyone out there, please go follow Damian Barling at Damian Barling on Twitter. Of course, you probably already do. But um just want to give you a minute here to, to plug your Patreon, plug your uh, Not 5, Not 6, Not 7 podcast. <laughs> Yeah, the podcast with Damian Barling is the daily sports podcast that I do each and every single day. So it it, it does, you know, the the, the center of uh, that podcast is still, you know, very local, though we like to cover national stories. We like to cover a variety of topics, but it is a radio show condensed within a podcast that is live to tape. Uh, There's no massive amount of editing. There's no cutting stuff out. As you mentioned, I interviewed Renee Montgomery for a Be Conscious podcast. Uh, You'll hear a condensed version of that interview on... um, Wednesday's episode. Uh, if you want to support the podcast, if you want to check out Patreon, if you want to check out a wrestling uh, edition of the podcast that I do where I discuss the current wrestling product, both in WWE, AEW, New Japan, whatever is prominent in the wrestling world, uh, you could do that on Patreon. Uh, that's also the home of the Be Conscious podcast, which centers on uh, social issues. I have an interview with uh, Ken Rudolph where Ken tells a, a, just a gut-wrenching story about him and his son uh, getting Karen uh, at a park in Los Angeles, and that's just something that you absolutely have to hear. It also has the full archives of conversations that I had uh, with Howard Bryant several years ago when the podcast first started, uh, and uh, I mentioned Dr. Robin D'Angelo and the White Fragility episode that I did there. So that is available on patreon.com slash Damian Barling. If that's too much to remember, you can go to DamianBarling.com, and there is a Patreon button in the upper left-hand corner. But if that's not your flow and you just want sports talk, check out the podcast every day with Damian Barling. You, know, you said you hated the name at first, but it seems to be on everything by this point. 
I had no choice, man. I actually, you know, when I went to KHDK and started doing those shows at KHDK, I thought, like, could I use D'Lo? Like, there's a, there's probably some equity to that name a little bit in the market. Like, should I use it? And the consensus was, like, yeah, use it. Like, let's let's see how it goes. So, you know, when that, that, that Saturday shift that I was telling you about, I was using the name D'Lo. And through most of my fill-in stuff, I was using the name D'Lo. And then one day, I was asked to fill in for Grant in the afternoon. And I just decided, uh, I don't think I want to take the name D'Lo to primetime. So I used, you know, I used my name, Damien, but the guys on the lowdown would regularly call me D'Lo. Yeah. And so that's kind of how the name kind of stayed alive. But yeah, Damien Barling, that's, 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 that's just the name I roll with now. And yeah, I put it on everything. It's kind of a running gag. Yeah. For a bunch of people who pay attention, it's whatever, whatever with Damien Barling. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Well, we appreciate you coming on this show, the King's Pulse Podcast with Damian Barlow. Um, and, I, yeah, again, man, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day. No, man, I appreciate you guys. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate the work you guys do. Thank you. Yeah, and thank you to everybody for listening to this episode of the King's Pulse Podcast. You'll hear from us again in the next couple of days.